Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Psych War Podcast. And today's topic, if you've seen me talking about it on like Instagram or just in general social media, is we're going to talk about the war in Afghanistan. Now, what is happening in Afghanistan? That's the main question a lot of people are going to ask. So, the Taliban have seized power in Afghanistan two weeks before the U.S. was seized. Two weeks before the U.S. was set to complete its troop withdrawal after a costly two-decade war. And amongst that cost, if you know me, you know I have personal losses to the war in Afghanistan because my brother was killed. However, the insurgents stormed across the country, capturing every major city in a matter of days as Afghanistan security forces trained and equipped by the U.S. and its allies melted away. Now, a military... A military catastrophe on this scale can't be attributed to just, like, they lack of plan. The reality is that U.S. imperialism is paying for the price of two decades of crimes against the people of Afghanistan carried out under four successive administrations, Democratic and Republican. Together, they sent three-quarters of a million U.S. troops to Afghanistan to wage a dirty colonial-style war in which it is conservatively estimated that at least 175,000 civilians were killed. The result of this mass killing, as well as the the terrorizing of the population with the ever-present threat of bomb raids and drone strikes, night raids, and the systematic torture of detainees, hashtag Guantanamo Bay, successfully only swelling in their ranks of insurgency. What y'all gotta understand, bruh, is that the most recent generation of the Taliban is our age. People my age, 24, 18 to 24, young men... You have to understand that they weren't even born when this war started, and yet they're getting roped into the cause. So the ranks of the insurgency are swelling. We are trying to fight people on their home fucking turf. Vietnam should show you exactly what the fuck happened when we tried to do that. We lost. And low-key, Vietnam was mainly about the drugs And it was also because we couldn't directly go after their capital because it was too close to fucking China and China would have clapped back on our ass and we couldn't afford the international tragedy. But when it was... Back to topic. Within the space of barely one week, the Taliban have overrun six provincial capitals. On Friday, they captured Zaranj near the border with Iran and, I can't even pronounce this word, Shabergan in the north. And on Sunday, they took three more capitals. Kunduz, the capital hub in the north of the country, as well as Pari Sapul and Talakan. On Monday, local officials confirmed that the insurgency was fully in control of Ibok City, the capital of the Sang- Samgan province, which controls the main highway linking to the capital of Kabul with the country's northern provinces. Okay, ongoing urban warfare is like has reduced the grip of the U.S.-backed regime in Kabul to just some neighborhoods, and in some cases, blocks and other besieged capitals. So, listen to how I, I described it ongoing urban warfare this is something that like shown once again in Vietnam we could not beat them on their turf they know the layout of the land I watched in a vice documentary that's literally detailing the events of the Taliban and they've gone and interviewed them don't ask me how those people got in they somehow got in got out it was all good they probably respected all the rules and everything because they're not savages they're just radical extremists and if that's what you want to call them it doesn't matter <laughs> i remember cat williams made a joke 
And he was just like, we not fighting an army, nigga. We killing them. Niggas in flip-flops. It's, it's funny. Now you might ask yourself, why are people fleeing the country? They're worried that the country could descend into chaos. Point, point, period, blank. Or the Taliban are going to carry out revenge attacks against the people who work with America or the government. A lot of people also fear that the Taliban is going to like reimpose the harsh interpretation of Islamic law and Sharia law that they relied on when they ran Afghanistan in the early like 90s, early 2000s. But back then, women were barred from attending school or working outside the home, driving. It didn't matter. You had to wear the you had they had to wear the all encompassing burqa and you had to have a male relative whenever they went outside. Bro, the, the, the Taliban banned music and cut off hands of thieves and they stoned adulterers, which some people say cheating is like a crime punishable by death. Some people say stealing shit, you should have your hand cut. But whatever, it's it's it goes by the teachings of basically Islamic and Sharia law. The Taliban also have sought to present themselves as a more moderate force, which is kind of like, kind of bullshit, I'm not going to lie. Since taking over, they have promised to respect women's rights, forgive those who fought against them, and prevent Afghanistan from being used as a base for terror attacks. But... Obviously, as you can see, with people clinging on to the literal, like, wheels of giant aircraft and falling to their deaths, they're a little skeptical of those promises. Speaking of which, what happened at the Kabul airport? Thousands of Afghans, um, Afghan refugees at this point, rushed there hoping to escape the country because they feared for their fucking lives. And that what would happen when the Taliban brought their rule. Some people were so desperate, like I've already stated, that they clung to the side of military jets as it took off and fell to their deaths. There's video of this. This is really heartbreaking, honestly. There's a video of like a father lifting his baby up over a fence, a barbed wire fence to American troops. Luckily, I also saw the follow up article and he is being reunited with his son. So shout outs. I don't know their names, but shout out. One second. Okay. All right. U.S. troops have also been shown using helicopters to disperse the crowds and firing warning shots in the air because, you know, good old America. But at least seven people have died in the chaos stated by U.S. officials from... I don't even have my source here. Wow, that's ass. Nobody's going to believe me. Anyway, why are the Taliban taking over now? So... I surmise that it's probably because U.S. troops are set to withdraw by the end of this month, by the end of August. And the U.S. has been trying to get it out of Afghanistan as long as war for several years now. Because I'm not going to lie, this is pointless. But what has every president said? Obama said he was bringing the troops home. Biden said he was bringing the troops home. Trump said he was bringing the troops home. Pretty sure Bush said it at one point. Bring those boys home. I don't fucking know. But obviously the U.S. has been trying to get it out of Afghanistan for years. My brother was in Afghanistan 10 years ago. My brother's birthday was on the 18th. He would be, let's see, 31 now. I am older than he was when he died. Let that sink in about the cost of this tragic war. Anywho, American troops pushed out the Taliban in a matter of months when they invaded and rooted out the Al-Qaeda, like, which was, or, you know, rumored to have orchestrated the 9-11 attacks. I'm not going to say they not they didn't did it because that's the most leading cause, but I remember that the New York Fire Commissioner opened up an investigation on the Twin Towers like last year. So I doubt something that official would go down unless they actually thought. And then, you know, the whole jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Well, who, who cares? But it proved it's more difficult to hold territory and rebuild a nation battered by repeated wars. 
And as the U.S. focus shifted to Iraq, the Taliban started to regroup. And in the recent years, they took over a lot of the Afghan countryside. And last year, when President Donald Trump announced a plan to pull out and signed a deal with the Taliban that limited U.S. military action against them, Joe Biden then announced that the last troops would leave by the end of August. So you guys have to understand that, like, whether it's from Biden saying we're going to leave earlier, whether it's from Trump actually meeting with them. And I don't know if y'all remember that he met with them. There's even a Simpsons meme about it, but it happened. So you really got to think about it in the sense of like, this is all been staging up. And then you have to ask what happened to what happened to all these bases that our soldiers died defending where they saw their friends go down, where they had to come back to the bunks that nobody's fucking living in anymore because the guy that they've sat, ate, shat and fought with for the last three tours is gone. The short answer, corruption. And that's why the Afghan security forces collapsed. The U.S. and its NATO allies spent billions of dollars over two decades to train and equip Afghan security forces. They also kind of, you know, equipped the Mujahideen and kind of equipped the Taliban because, you know, Osama bin Laden also got trained by the CIA. But we're not going to talk about that right now. But the Western-backed government was rife with corruption. Commanders exaggerated the number of soldiers to siphon off resources, and troops in the field often lacked ammunition, supplies, or even food. I have one particular article I can reference for you, and that is from the taskandpurpose.com. It's just reporting this, basically. But it's former Army Special Forces soldiers sentenced for embezzling funds while deployed to Afghanistan. And that was Chief Warrant Officer Derek Harper, Sergeant First Class Jeffrey Arthur Cook, and Sergeant First Class Barry Lee Walls Jr. All former members of the 3rd Special Forces Group were sentenced June 11th by the Eastern District of North Carolina for their involvement in a money theft scheme while deployed as a team in Afghanistan. And this was published August the 3rd of 2019. So, guys, when you look at this, this happened on a much larger scale. I don't have the documents to pull up right now, and I know it might seem a little less credible, and I understand you can be skeptical, you can say what you want. But there were officially, like, Congress-recognized documents dropped around last year or the year before. It could have been in that year of 2019 because it lines up with these special forces officers being caught. But it could have been at any point during then, and I, eventually I'll go find the link, but... It shows you that the corruption going through all of this was extreme. Like, there, there, there's countless rape scandals. I actually have a family member who lost her mother due to something that went down over there. And I, I, I'm not 100% sure if it's okay for me to talk about it. But they had troops burning, like, pits. They throw all the waste and, I guess, like, garbage and shit in pits and just burn it. And a lot of the times, apparently, people didn't have masks because I've seen the story in other places other than the story that's close to my relative. But it caused cancer. And a lot of the things over there that they did with their soldiers were not safe. There's a lot of fucking rape cases that came from the Afghanistan era. But the moral further eroded when it became clear that the U.S. was on its way out. That's what happened. Like, the morale shifted, and the morals of everything kind of shifted. Because the Taliban rapidly advanced, and, like, the, the last couple of days, bruh, entire units surrendered after beef battles, and Kabul and some of the nearby provinces fell without a fight. My brother was killed by an IED, and that is the Taliban and just any any insurgent force in Afghanistan in the Middle East. That's their weapon of choice, because you can make bombs out of anything, apparently. But you might ask yourself, where's the leadership? Where's where's the president? Where is the president of Afghanistan? He dipped. President, I'm not even sure if I can pronounce this man's name correct. Ashraf Ghani. I'm going to say Ashraf Ghani. Hunkered down and made political statements as the Taliban swept across the fucking country. 
On Sunday, I, it's, he reached out and he told the capital that he left Afghanistan saying he had chosen to leave to avoid further bloodshed, but nobody knows where he went. Now you might be asking, oh my God, what does Biden have to say? Biden called the situation in Afghanistan gut-wrenching, but rejected blame. And honestly, what's happening is he's blaming the Afghanistan forces for folding when the U.S. are the ones that train them. When there has been resistance to the insurgents, as in Lashkar Gah, and other besieged capital, it has been heavily relying on U.S. airstrikes by U.S. warplanes operating from over the horizon. This has included the use of B-52 strategic bombers flying from the Al-Udi airbase in Qatar, F-A-18 Super Hornet fighter jets, god damn, these guys got super, like, Hot Wheels-ass names, but flying off the deck of nuclear-powered aircraft of the U.S. USS Ronald Reagan deployed in the Arabian Sea. So, like, with the U.S. backing out, they lose, like, an extra barrier of defense. Because you have to understand, like, urban warfare is not just, like, normal warfare, bro. It's not, like, it's, there's no order to it. There's not people meeting on fields. There's the guy that looks just like everybody else coming out and fucking popping your ass, and your, your best friend's gone. But while Biden did acknowledge that the collapse of Afghanistan happened much more quickly than he anticipated, he said that he stood squarely behind his decision to pull the U.S. troops out. Too little, too late. Too little, too late. A lot of troops feel like we abandoned the post that their people had died at and their friends had died protecting. The war's a fucking sham. Raytheon and Honeywell already just fucking make money off defense contracts and security. Okay, I'm going on a rant anyway. Back to what we're talking about. Why are people comparing Afghanistan to the fall of Saigon? The fall of Saigon is what happened in North Vietnam. When forces in 1975 and it marked with forces in 1975 and it marked the end of the Vietnam War and it became an enduring symbol of the defeat after thousands of Americans and their Vietnamese allies were airlifted out of the city on helicopters and U.S. Secretary State U.S. Secretary of State Antony was it Ant yeah Antony Blinken has rejected any comparison of Afghanistan saying this is manifestly not Saigon but it's basically us pulling out after a long duration because we couldn't beat people on their home turf. And there's no way to... Guerrilla warfare is one of the deadliest ways to fight against, like, a superior force, but it just is. You don't have the numbers, but you can, you can sabotage supply chains. If their troops can't eat, they can't fight. It's that simple. You can take out strategic points. You can specifically target transports so they can't get them anywhere. You can make it so dangerous they can't move. You can make it to where you don't have to inflict a bunch of damage, but a little damage here and there with minimal casualties to your side means in the long run you're going to win. Now, what's going to happen next in Afghanistan? It's not really clear. The Taliban say they want to form an inclusive Islamic government, but they're still going to be upholding Islamic and Sharia law and chopping hands off and stoning niggas for cheating on their wives, but that's, that's up to your own moral implications. But they're holding negotiations with politicians. I remember the president did say he did. He thinks that they he could get them to agree to a more democratic system under which the Taliban could also function. And they have pledged to enforce Islamic law, but encourage women to join their government and say that they will provide a secure environment for the return of normal life after decades of war. So, I don't know. Maybe that's just to save them and get them some sympathy when they get bombed. I don't... Maybe they're sincere. I can't say. I don't know enough. I, I'm not in Afghanistan. I'm not even a reporter. I'm just a guy. 
but many Afghanistans distrust the Taliban for obvious reasons and fear that their rule will be violent and oppressive as always. Afghans are concerned about the breakdown of security after thousands of prisoners were freed and security forces melted away in the face of the Taliban, you know, wrecking the shit out of the country. But what does it really mean for women? Many fear that it would mean a severe rollback of their rights. I've already talked about how, like, a lot of the, they, 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 they just got the right to drive and to be out in public without men. But Afghan women have had major gains since the overthrow of the Taliban. But a lot of them are worried that, once again, they'll be confined to their homes. And they have said women's rights will be respected under Islamic law without providing much detail, to be honest. And the status of women, women it kind of varies across the Muslim world and often within a single country. And Afghanistan has always been very conservative, especially outside the major cities. So a lot of activists that are located in Afghanistan are fearing for their lives and legitimately begging to get out. It's kind of sad, bro, because there are a lot of people asking to flee. And there's just a lot going on. Because there's still everything. Y'all remember that this happened. And then also there's what's going on in Pakistan. That shit never calmed down, bro. So, it's pretty fucking, Lordy Jesus, it's pretty bad, bro, I can't lie, it, it's, it's, it's hard, it's, it's a very, very hard choice by American troops, because a lot of people feel like they're abandoning their post, but a lot of people feel like it's time for us to get the fuck out of there, and we've been there too long, because the war was originally about oil, track back to 1950 when Kerbert Roosevelt and the CIA destabilized the democratically elected government of Iraq and significantly basically fucked them over oil. Now, I'll segue away from this because that's everything I want to cover realistically. There's not there's not a lot for me to say, guys. Like, I've lost somebody to that war. I want the troops to come back so nobody has to go through that. But I understand that soldiers live a different lifestyle than we do that. There's always going to be a need for security and there's always going to be a need for people fighting fucking wars. And that's why companies like Raytheon and Stockwell and Honeywell, they're all... They're all gonna get richer. That's just that's just the way it is. And it it sucks, but there are things that we have to look out. And on the other hand, technological technological advances over the last twenty years do allow the US to target suspected militants in countries like Yemen and Somalia, where it does have a permanent troop presence. Where where it doesn't have a so like we, we, we can be in places where we don't have a troop presence, but that's just more drone strikes that might kill civilians. And the Taliban, the Taliban paid a heavy price for their role in the September 11 attacks, allegedly. And they probably won't do it again, even if they didn't commit the crime. It's kind of hard to see that, like, they saw the retaliation from the U.S. But we don't really know how this is going to go. They've condemned certain attacks from, like, the Shiite minority in the recent years. Because they fight each other over, over territory. But it remains to be seen whether a Taliban government will be willing or able to suppress anything that's going on. Now, I guess the last thing I could leave you on on some world news stuff is that currently in West Africa, pirates are taking over this bitch like Jack Sparrow. <laughs> but no, legitimately, there are pirates coming from the uh, Niger Delta. Shout out to the Mississippi Delta. Woo. Full of racist, but also beautiful. Anyway, the Niger Delta is an area that 
in, I believe, the 60s that BP and Shell moved into and started drilling for oil. And they they swear they have the people's best interests. They have what they're doing. They like they, they say, we care about the people. We care about them. But they're leaking crude oil onto their land. They're killing all the fish that the local fishermen and people that have lived that indigenous way of life or even just like a less modern style way of life have made their living. And it's kind of, it's, it's not even kind of, it's fucking them off. And a lot of the gangs actually stated, this is also a Vice documentary, a lot of the gangs have also stated that th- the reason they're out here is because this needs to stop. They, they're, they're actually direct links between them like attacking pipelines and blowing up pipelines and disrupting supply lines to get it through. Now, these pirates have also been stopping freighters in the West African Ocean and severely bodying their ass. But also in the West African Ocean is the countries of like China and Korea that are heavily like sending their fishing boats because apparently they want everything from fucking Africa as always because Africa is the most genetically diverse place on the planet, blah, blah, blah. All life originated there. But as that goes on, there's still everything going on in Pakistan. The Amazon's still getting burnt the fuck down. Police brutality is still a thing. And I'm still recording podcast. Now, this has been a pretty nice episode. I hope you all have enjoyed it. I hope you all have enjoyed my hilarious and hysterical antics. It's hot as fuck in this room because I have the AC turned off, so I'm not going to lie. I need to get the fuck on out of here. But thank you for listening to another episode of the Psych War Podcast. I know that I stagger releases sometimes, everybody, but honestly, it's... A lot of the times it's going to depend on like the topics that I'm looking into research because just now that was like that was a six page script that like my scripts are never like straight word for word. Obviously, I have my own feelings about it that I can convey just from the emotions I feel behind it. But there are certain points I have to drag myself back to because I ramble. But in this situation, because like I said, I'm rambling. You keep hearing me say but and but and but and but and but that's a problem. But it's just like 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 you know but anyway like yeah <laughs> this has been another episode of the psycho podcast everybody peace out